Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 518, recorded live on Sunday, June 25th, 2017. And here are your hosts, the man who didn't think there was anything to talk about that happened this week, Dave Play. Hi. And the man who found all these wonderful topics, Andy Lowe. Hi. Uh, I didn't find anything through my normal course of the week. <laughs> During the week, I'll, I'll be reading news, I'll be doing things online, and I'll mark things and save them for the podcast. Yes. I actually have a little save as, and I, I tag it with the podcast. And then comes Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, or even Friday night, I'll go through those and add them as topics. And this week, just nothing really caught my eye of like, yeah, I should save that for the podcast. Granted, I, I did less of it this week. I was kind of busy with some other stuff. But so I, thank you for finding us all the topics, Andy. That's that's my job. Yep, yep. That compiling the audio, setting up the recording, hosting the recording. Yeah, I gave you a it. framework to post the recorder. Yes. The recording. <laughs> I manage the website and the technical end and also pay the money for the, the hosting. Yes. This is the division of labor that we've come up with. And it seems to work. Pretty well. Mm-hmm. Pretty well, I, I would have to say. So how was your your shower? It was good. I uh, went golfing. You went golfing for a baby shower? Yes. Did, like, was it just you? Did everyone go golfing? No, was no, that no, part no, no, of... no, no, no. So Kate had the actual shower. And you were not there? No. Interesting. I went golfing with, how does that work? Is it her sister's husband? That would be my... Technically your brother-in-law. Yes, okay, brother-in-law. Brother-in-law and a family friend. Uh, We all went golfing because the the country club that we were having it at has a nine-hole executive golf course. I see. Yeah. Two questions. Yes. What makes it executive? Uh, Executive golf courses are normally just par threes. Okay. Other question. Yes. Is it normal that the father not be at the shower? I I do not have a wide breadth of experience on baby showers. The the only two that I have gone to, the father was there, but that may also have been because they were like extreme leftist, liberal, progressive equality groups. Uh, I have never been to a baby shower, so I don't know if that's normal. All right. Maybe there just isn't a normal. According to Kate, they normally make an appearance, but she's never been to one where the dude's there the whole time. All right. So I just, like, had really weird baby showers. Yep. Okay. That that makes more sense, then, that you went golf. I'm like, you what? (laughs) What? What? Okay, sure. Cool. All right, well then. So you went golfing. You didn't really have the, the shower. No. Make par? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. You were not keeping track? Uh, well, somebody was keeping track. I never actually saw the scorecard, so I don't know how okay. I was golfing. I, you, I you, putted for yeah. shit, though. I know that for a fact. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got par a couple of times. I never got any birdies. And there were a couple of holes where it was just it was just sad. So he like four, five, six attempts. He like fuck it, it got in. <laughs> Sometimes yes, it's all right. We all know those. Yep. Yeah. There's actually um, some sort of PGA event over here this week. I never really found out what it was. It was like PGA Family Open or something like that. The American Family Insurance Championship? Maybe. That is uh, being held Friday, June 23rd through Sunday, June 25th in Madison, Wisconsin? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yes. That. They did it at the golf course right next to where I work. And so there was a little extra traffic on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Hmm. The American Family Insurance Championship. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it took place at University Ridge Golf Course. It's the second year that they've done it. It's probably going to be an annual event now. I think they really liked it here. I guess it's still going on right now, isn't yes, it? Yes, no. It uh, As of two minutes ago, <laughs> uh, Paul Broadhurst is currently in the lead with, with 13 under. 13? Yeah, but the, the space between first and second and second and second is not very big. No, yeah, no. The top the top five people are 13 under, 11 under, 11 under, 11 under, 9 under. Oh, geez. There's three of them who are nine under. Yeah. I mean, nine under probably not going to catch up to 13 under unless Paul Broadhurst really messes something up. But those three people with 11s have a good shot. Yep. I think I met 
Fred Couples at something at some point. I don't remember what the <laughs> that or his name just. He's just got one of those names. Yeah. I, I don't know any of these people. I don't know if they're like regular golfers, good golfers. I like golf is a sport. First, golf is a sport. I will admit that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, oh, I do have a friend. My who, shoulders and my hands will gladly yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I do have a friend who will argue that it's not a sport because you can't do anything to directly influence the other players. That playing against someone is no different than playing by yourself. But that's his argument. I'm actually okay with classifying golf as a sport. That's fine. But it is it is like the least interesting sport to watch. Yes, I can agree. I I I enjoy playing it. I don't play it often, but I enjoy playing it. Right. But but I I would rather watch NASCAR than watch golf. I would rather watch baseball than golf, as would a lot of people. I understand. I'm I'm making a point because you know how I feel about baseball. I understand that for other people, of course, they'd rather watch baseball. I'm making the point from my perspective. So I, I just don't get these like PGA Pro Tours. Like, is it that? Maybe I'm missing something. I mean, for a long time, I didn't like watching any sports. And that was mostly because I just didn't understand the games. And so I just didn't care. Because I'm like, what's going on? I don't care. I do not know. There's people running back and forth. But then once I started, like, you know, paying attention to the sport and understanding the sport and learning strategy and seeing how it's implemented. But again, in, in golf, like, the strategy is which club do I pick? No, that that, that is... Unless I'm missing something. It is possible I'm missing something. Am I missing something, Andy? Like trying to trying to figure out. I, I can't stand golf on TV either, so I don't know. Like if I needed to fall asleep, maybe I would just, you know, try and find some golf thing on TV. Because even the announcers don't even oh, make it they exciting. They talk very quiet. Yeah, they talk. You can't, it's, it, you can't get excited about golf at the golf course, Andy. That's inappropriate. Golf is a game for professionals who need the quiet around them so that they can focus on the ball here we are on hole nine with uh fred couples i want full contact golf (laughs) i think you should be able to rush the other player there is a time limit on the ball it's like when you used to play like pretend football and you had to count to to 10 yeah i want to see that laura just texted that i should go watch happy gilmore (laughs) well that's a that's a that's a bit different than uh i want full contact golf I don't want to play full contact golf. I want to watch people play full contact golf. Well, that was a, an interesting detour. Golf, yeah. How are the Tigers doing since we're talking about sports anyway? <laughs> and I, I know that you like to pay attention. Is that, I think Andy's crying, ladies and gentlemen. It's somewhere between a cry and a laugh, which means the Tigers are doing about how well the Tigers normally do. Well, the kicker is they're out on the West Coast this week. They've been out there on the West Coast for a long time. Okay. Um, so all the games have started at, la- at like at earliest, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Do they not play baseball during the day anywhere? No, they do, but it's normally on uh, either on a Thursday or on a Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, they've been uh, they've been out since Monday out, out West. They played four games in Seattle. Yeah. And they've played uh, two out in San Diego, and they've got another one coming on today at four o'clock in the afternoon but they've been uh losing a lot well, that's not that's 32 to 42 is that what i'm reading yet this says yeah no it hasn't it hasn't been pretty they've played 74 games already yeah damn okay so they've played and they've, they've lost eight games straight yeah all right so there there's been 24 days in the month right they have yeah well i mean only, there's more but okay yeah but i'm saying so far this month they have played there's ah. there's been 24 days so far this month right well they, 25 today well i'm not counting today because today's game has not happened yet okay so over the past of the 20, 24 days that have passed yes tigers have not played for three so they've played 21 days out of this month and they've won at, at least one game a day only one game a day okay they have won. no no double headers no double headers one two three four five six seven wins that's it it's uh it's not doing so hot no it's it's been a bad trend they must have been doing like pretty well before that. Yeah, no, it's it's so far. It's not good. They've what lost is- eight in a row so far. It's just been Okay. I see the wins, I see the losses, I understand percentage. Yes. What is games back? 
games back is how many wins and losses they are behind the person who's in first place for the division. Okay, I see. So the games back is how many games the Tigers have to win and the... uh, Number one, in this case, Cleveland. Yes, has to lose, basically, in order for the stuff to... Why is that a statistic? Because who's ever in leading in the division is the ones who get to go to the playoffs. Right, but like that as a statistic makes very little sense. Because it's not like the Tigers need to win seven and a half games. It means they need to like win seven and a half. It means they need to win seven and a half and Cleveland has to lose that many, right? Well, it's a combination of wins and losses. So if Cleveland just... Is done if playing. If Cleveland keeps winning, yeah, then the Tigers the aren't going to gain on them. Yeah, so the game's back is meaningless. Well, it gives you an idea of their, if they're still in contention or not. I see. Because you know, like if there's three games left and you have four games back, you're not going to win. No. And, you know, the the Tigers play teams outside of their division because, you know, the divisions are only like five teams. Right. Um, well, the, yeah, the, yeah, the central division of the American League. So, you know, it gives you an idea of, okay, how well are they doing compared to other people in their division? Like, you know, everybody could have a low 500 record in their division. So if you look at the overall standings for the whole of major league, they could be all pretty bad, but they could still be competitive in their division. So it gives you an idea, you know. The Tigers could still be in it, but no, 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 okay. they can't. Are, are they pretty much out at this point? What did you say? Yeah, a week ago he could have been, but after losing, yeah, yeah no. I, I wonder what the biggest games back comeback has been. Let's see if we can find out in Google. Uh, Looks like 11 games. 2009 Twins were seven games back, and they won the division. Uh, 1995 Seattle Mariners won 25 of the last 36 to win. 64 Cardinals were seven and a half. Mets were nine and a half games back. There has to be like a sports historian Twitter account that you could just text or, or tweet a question to. 1951 New York Giants ended the finished the year going 50 and 12. Nine game deficit, seven game deficit. It's you know Andy. Yeah. Andy, let's let's come back. All right. Let's bring this back here. I think we've we've talked about sport enough. Yes. So should we actually talk about topics? Um Steam Sale. And I'm underwhelmed. It's not a topic, but there there is a Steam sale going on. Yes. The buying anything? Nope. Sitting this one out? Yeah, I'm I'm getting stickers. I don't know what these stickers are for. Um, you open them and you put them in the sticker book. Okay. And what does that do? You get stickers in a sticker book. (laughs) It's, it serves no purpose. Yep. (sighs) That's why people are wondering if it's an ARG. Yeah, that's why I actually, I logged into the Valve ARG webpage. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing going on with them right now either. No, because it's not an ARG, because no one knows what to do with the stickers. But that's why people think it might be an ARG, because no one knows what to do with the goddamn stickers. They're just like, here's some stickers. Yay, stickers. Like, do I get something if I fill up all the books? Or what are stickers? Virtual collectibles that can be completing quests. Once you've applied all the stickers that correspond to a specific page, that page will permanently unlock on your account. So you get the... I am so confused. I'm also confused why I'm being given a a game recommendation called Genital Jousting. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. This does not seem like... Not interested. No. Go away. I really don't want to see that. Uh heck? Uh, sorry, yeah, no, I'm getting weird things in my discovery queue as well right now, and I'm just very confused. Yeah, so my discovery queue, right? It's like, hey, go through your discovery queue, you get a, a sticker. Like, okay, I'll go through my discovery queue. Evidently, I've been playing way too much Factorio. <laughs> okay. Because almost every single one of the things in the discovery queue, like all of them, was open world, sandbox, early access, uh, either crafting or building. Every one of them. Well, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Well, it was just garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. That's what was in my queue. God, so many stickers and I just... Okay, I put them... Andy, we should get off of Steam. It's just just (laughs) bad right now. The stickers? Yeah, I just... Okay. Tell me about two tons of Legos. So, Legos, certain Legos, 
are actually worth something. Really? Yes. If you actually, you know, I, had, uh, I read this in a book that there are certain Legos that, you know, like for the Lego aficionados are actually, you know, you know, worth more than, you know, I think one of them was like 50 bucks or something like that for, you know, Lego pieces. Okay. So, you know, if you actually go buy the individual piece, the stuff is pretty expensive. But um, you can buy... You buy it at garage sales? Yes, you can buy it at garage sales. You can buy, like, just bulk Lego pieces that are not sorted mm-hmm. at all for pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Let's see, most expensive Lego piece. Uh, somebody spent $15,000 on a single piece. Oh, a 14-karat gold 2x4 Lego brick. Doesn't count. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, you know, Lego pieces, the rare unbroken pieces can be expensive. Okay. But, you know, just generic pieces, you know, are just, uh, I think some of them are like $11 per, like, kilogram sort of thing there. So That's a lot of Lego, though. Like, a yeah. kilogram of Lego? Yes. But that's how, you know, you find, you're basically mining for, you know, the the more expensive Lego pieces in, in the dirt of the generic Lego pieces. They are, they're Lego mining. Yes, they are literally Lego mining. Okay. So people... Isn't that just, just playing Minecraft? Isn't that Lego mining? I don't know. So, you know, uh, okay, so yeah, uh, he said bulk unsorted Lego sells for $11 a kilogram. Okay. Where, you know, uh, a collection of rare parts and Lego Technic pieces can go for hundreds per kilogram. But you have to get it. Yeah, but you have to get it. So this guy went and bid on a whole bunch of locally available large lots of Legos, won them all. Um, and after he basically bought all his stuff on eBay, he had about two metric tons of Legos. Two metric tons. Two metric tons. 4,400 pounds. Yep. Okay. So he decided that, you know, trying to sort these by hand to find the good stuff wouldn't work. So he built his own automated Lego sorting machine. Cute. Sorting by color and then by size or by both at the same time or what? Um, okay, so uh, Ben, uh, yeah, the thing I talked about was identifying the Lego pieces because Legos come in different sizes and shapes and colors. Did he use um, an Arduino, a Pi? Um, he actually used uh, a neural network using a uh, parallel GTX 1080 Ti NVIDIA cards. Okay, that feels like overkill. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm just putting that out there. That feels like overkill. Feel like this could have been done with an Arduino. Well, good for him. Yeah, the first day I managed to, so, you know, he had to teach the machine, like, what Lego pieces were there. And then, so, the first day he started uh, about 500 assorted scan pieces. Then the next day he got it to 2,000. Half of those were wrongly labeled. Uh, next round of training, uh, 4,000 parts went through the machine. 90% were labeled correctly. So he only had to correct, you know, 400 parts. By the end of two weeks, I had a training data set of 20,000 correctly labeled images. So he, I see. That's why he did neural networking, because he didn't actually teach it what a one by two piece was. He let it figure out what one by two pieces look like. Yeah. I love that he, he purchased two tons of Lego before he knew how to sort it. <laughs> That's... I want, I want to put that out there. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> that was, this is what late night eBaying does is, you know, you know, I could do this. Yeah, sure. I'll bid on that one and that one and that one and that one. And all of a sudden, hey, you've got two tons of Legos. I'm, I'm just remembering someone else's late night eBaying and the repercussions from that. Yeah, the Jeep. Hey, Dave, can I come stay with you a night? I need to come pick up a Jeep. <laughs> in Wisconsin. What? In Wisconsin. What? Oh, my God, Andy. <laughs> so it, now now if Kate ever brings that up, you can at least say, like, well, at least I didn't buy two metric tons of Legos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, that's, that's true. At least I didn't fill our garage full of Legos. Yeah, maybe not the, the best go-to. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Take your pick a topic, sir. Um, There's a lot on here. Yes. Uh, so speaking of ridiculousness, there are two class action lawsuits that are out there right now. Yeah. That have, only two? They're, they're just, well, yeah, there might be other crazy class action lawsuits. But this is specifically two separate federal class action lawsuits have been filed by the same attorney against Home Depot and Menards because 
of lumber. Now, Dave, of lumber. Yes, lumber. Okay. Dave, if I asked you how big a 4x4 four four was, what would you tell me? Uh, if I recall, it's actually like... Four and a quarter by four and a quarter. Other way. Oh, uh, it's three and seven. It's three and three quarters by three and three quarters. Uh, three and a half by three and a half. Oof, that's, that's a lot of wood that you're missing there. Well, yeah, no. So like a a, a one by six is you know um, half an inch by basically like five and a half. Four by fours are three and a half by three and a half. A two by four inch and a half by three and a half. Okay. So. Uh, both lawsuits claim that the plaintiffs have been damaged by this alleged deception that the 4x4 is not actually 4x4. Neither complaint specifies what the damage may have been other than getting slightly less wood than they expected. Yeah, I mean, you should always measure anyway. But like, okay, so what's, what is the reasoning of a 4x4 not being 4x4? Well, the 4x4 is the rough cut measurement of the wood before yeah. it gets finished down and looks all nice and smooth and everything. Okay. So like the rough cut wood is not pretty. It's uh it 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 it's like, you know, not not good. <laughs> not good? Yeah. I mean it's it's got like bark on it. Yeah. It's not even. No. So it's it's this is like, you know, the, the stages of lumbering, you know, like you cut down the tree, you you send it to the sawmill. The sawmill gives you all the rough cuts as much as they can out of whatever lumber you send them. So there's a there's yeah. a there's a lot of problems with it. But the yeah. wood is most likely actually around, you know, four inches by four inches. But it's it's stuff nobody wants to work with. Like I said, yeah, it's got bark, it's got problems. So it goes through a planer. It goes through a planer and it makes everything actually, you know, pretty Even. unified and pretty good looking. But by the time it gets through all the planing and finishing, your four by four is actually three and a half by three and a half. And this has been literally standards for centuries, I think. Anyone who goes into construction learns about this. Yes, anything, any woodworker, any construction person knows that a 2x4 is not 2x4. It's one of like, it's. I think it's like one of the first things that they tell you and everything else like that. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's, you know, they explain the reason behind it. It's like, all right, yeah, no, that's no problem. But this guy says that, you know, it's filing a lawsuit that, you know, the 4x4 is not actually 4x4. Um, so, you know, so they filed a lawsuit. Menards says that the plaintiff's claims are based entirely on the thickness and width of the product. Regardless of what the shelf tags and product labels purportedly said or did not say, the undeniable fact remains that the plaintiffs received exactly what they were supposed to receive. Yep. And Home Depot... I, I don't think they've got a, a case here. Yeah, no. Um, Home Depot Home said Depot. the plaintiff has not pled that retailers sell dimensional lumber measuring exactly four inches by four inches or what su pro such product would cost. The company admits that, yes, you can buy a true four-by-four piece of wood from the same brand as one of the mentioned in the lawsuit, but it's rough sawn and not intended to be used the same way that a dressed piece of lumber is utilized. Because plaintiffs could not have purchased the hypothetical product he seeks, much less at a lower price, he has no actionable injury. Yeah. A, a rough sawn post that measures a true 4x4 four four inches costs about $35 more than a finished 4x4. Four four. Really? Yeah. Why would it cost more? Just because of the economy? Like, because you have to take it off the supply chain? I, I don't know. It's... <laughs> In either case, these class action lawsuits really have no no complaint. No, yeah, it's, like they're they are not going to get their case. Yeah, I I hope not, because this they have to throw off the entire construction industry. Yeah, and the whole entire uh, National Institute of Standards and Technologies standards for dimensional lumber state that you know a four by four is not four by four, but a four by four is actually three and a half by three and a half in the National Institute of Standards and Technologies standard for dimensional lumber. It's just, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah, people are idiots. Mm hmm. I mean, I could see, you know, being upset at it at first, but then as soon as someone's like, oh, no, that's just the dimensions that it, it is pre cut, and then we, you know, get it down, like, we, you can find it with the actual 4x4, but you won't want it because it's awful. I, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just I had to put that on as a topic because it seems so ridiculous. Somebody is suing because their four by four is not actually four by four. I'd love them to see to tell me like actually what the damages was. It was like 
injury to self or something because they couldn't, you know, finish a project? Did they? Because they, they had planned it out to be X length and then it wasn't. I, do, I don't know. I mean, go go buy a half-inch piece of wood. Yeah. Just go buy some, like, ply board and fill in the gap. Yep. Yeah. Uh, NBC Sports is actually going to be most likely broadcasting Rocket League games. Woo! It's going to be most likely. <laughs> well, the, the company's NBC Sports group today announced that the, yeah. it is launching a two-on-two Rocket League tournament this summer. $100,000 prize pool. Yep. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy said, in the grand scheme of of um, esports, of, of esports, like a hundred thousand dollar purse is is nothing. So that's not even the purse. That's the entire prize pool yep. is the hundred thousand dollars. And usually, like the second place and third place get something. Yes. So this is going to be like first place gets sixty thousand dollars. Well, I mean that's more than a lot of people have. Is way more than a lot of people make in a year. Mm-hmm. Regional, so finals, regional finals will take place in studio at NBC Sports through various regional networks, and the two-day grand finals event will be covered by, quote-unquote, a variety of NBC, Universal, and Comcast national and international platforms. Wow, buzzwords. Regional finals will take place the first two weekends in August, with some NBC Sports regional networks covering the final hour of each competition. The grand finals will follow August 26th and 27th, with NBC Sports Network airing them live in the U.S., and Sci-Fi covering the event in U.K., Germany, Australia, and some Latin American countries. Siffy? What? Yep. But this is not, like, okay, I guess Rocket League kind of is science fiction. But, you know, Sci-Fi was also carrying uh, wrestling at one point and you're just like no 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 um i don't so nbc sports who doesn't really cover curling all that well has decided now esports 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 greater than curling that's what it seems according to nbc sports this should not come as a surprise um my my concern my my worry my comment about this in sports and sports broadcasting, you have commentators. Yes. And they are really, like, one of the main reasons to watch sports on television. Yes. They explain the game, they tell you what's going on, and they, they give you information. And the, the good ones have been doing it for a really long time. And they are really good because of that. But they don't know esports. They don't know these games. And the people who do know these games have not been doing that commentating for a long time and are not very good at it. Yes. And so it, it's this weird mix up, right? How do you how do you handle that? Do you focus on the people with experience and try and teach them the game? Or do you take people who know the game and try and show them how to do commenting. Which is why you normally have, like, the, the commentator and the color commentator. Like, with, I hate to bring back baseball. But baseball, you have for you have the announcer whose job has been announcing. Like, uh, on the, the Tigers radio network, um, you have Dan Dickerson, who basically literally learned from Ernie Harwell, who... Ernie Harwell talking like Hall of Famer broadcaster. Like he is he's he's in the baseball hall of fame as a broadcaster. Okay. So, you know, Dan I think I've heard of him. Yeah, Dan Dickerson has, you know, he he literally like basically sat in and just, you know, just, you know, talked with other broadcasters, learned from people who have been, I guess, proven to be, you know, really good people. But he's he's never played baseball he never was a baseball player he was an announcer from the start to finish so he you know he 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 announces baseball he talks about baseball and that sort of thing but he hasn't played it and then you have the color commentator which uh jim price is the baseball one there he used to be a tigers baseball player now he you know didn't start broadcasting he was a baseball player first and foremost and then he retired and then, you know, he he kind of just learned the broadcasting from being a player. Now, some people have it. Some people don't. Kurt Gibson, excellent example. He's He's been doing a lot of Fox Sports Tigers television broadcasts, and he's horrible at it. He I, I can't argue against his baseball prowess since, you know, he won the 84 World Series. But, but as a commentator. But as a commentator, I can't stand the guy. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times where, you know, 
baseball's on TV and I hear Kurt Gibson come on, I actually spend the time to launch the, the radio broadcast from my phone and pause the TV. So that you don't have to listen to him. Yeah, but the, the, so, you know, the TV and the radio are not in sync right away. So I actually like pause the TV and I let the radio catch up and I just kind of like try and time the two of them together. Just so I don't have to listen to Kurt Gibson and actually listen to like you know. That's that's interesting to me that you have to pause the TV to let the radio catch up. Um, well, the radio is on that much of a delay. No, the the web stream is. Oh, okay. The radio normally, if you're listening to over the air, the radio is the ahead. Radio is going to be ahead of the TV. Yes. Yeah, because like the TV is on a two second delay. Uh, most of the time, it's actually more along the lines of a six to seven second delay behind the radio broadcast. But if I pull up the web stream, I can buffer the web stream enough to get it behind the TV and then, you know, use the two of them to kind of sync each other up. Neat. Yeah. It's it's a little That'd bit of work, a, but I I hate Kurt Gibson that much. It would be a little it would be a really cool app on your phone if it could automatically sync the TV to the radio. That like you leave the TV volume on for just a little bit. Yes. And so it knows where your TV is and then it syncs it up to the phone to the uh, web stream. Ooh. How could you do that? Uh, be way more advanced than either of us. <laughs> and probably you don't. You probably cheat and you work with the networks to add in some sort of inaudible signal so that the phone can pick it up on the microphone and it can recognize it and it's just got a time code in it. Maybe. Or some sort of Yeah, somebody would have to go in there and manually insert like a like a almost like the the clapper from the movies. But the but not clapper like clapper from the movies. Because that, that's the uh, movies, the video and the audio are recorded separately. Yeah. So, the, you know, oh, you know, that the, clapper, right? That clapper. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the stereotypical when you think of Hollywood and making movies, you think of this. Yeah. It's like take two action and you have the guy with the little thing that, you know, snaps. Yeah. It's, it's just for an immediate, like hard, fast sound. Yes. So yep. they can look at the video of when that clapper hits and the audio signal actually picks up that noise. And so the two of them, then you can line the stuff up there and everything actually works. So you'd have to do some sort of like virtual clapper, which, you know, maybe a, a maybe like a, either the umpire yelling or a baseball hit or something. You could probably get the two of well, them synced except up. Except that you, you need it to happen at all times. That's why I was saying that you need to encode the signal somehow into the audio. It needs to be like the audio needs to include a time code somewhere. Yeah, and you'd have to keep it up there in case the TV, you know, drags the the live feed by a bit. So you'd have to update it as it's going. Yeah, no, it'd be very complicated. It'd be neat, but it'd be complicated. But that's another wow, another baseball rabbit hole. Dang. Yeah. All of that come back to the idea that esports is more and more becoming the mainstream. And I think there there's a market if you can do esports announcing and actually be like a good legit sports announcer, you'll probably have like a bunch of openings in the near future. Oh yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that at all. Maybe we should practice shoutcasting, Andy. Maybe isn't that what it was called for a while? I don't being the announcer was was being the shoutcaster. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. No? No. Okay. Moving on. Um, Ikea sold a bowl that catches fire. Well, it doesn't catch fire. You can start well, a did, fire. You can start fires in the bowl. Yes, because it is a... On a sunny day. Yes, it is a... Did they make a parabolic dish? Basically, yes. Did they make a reflective parabolic dish? Yes. According to Ikea, it has been established that many different parameters would have to converge for the content of the bowl to overheat. And that the risk for this to happen is very low. And that even if it does, it's not going to go anywhere because it's in a bowl. Yes. Not, not quite understanding how heat and fire works. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Right? Like, there's, yeah. Um, but yes, no, the bowl is a polished inside. You know, all you need to do is not make it polished on the inside. You scuff it up and then you're fine. Yeah, but no, it's it's polished on the inside and it's a bowl. And so it, you can actually, yeah. It's a it's a parabolic bowl, so it has a focus, which means that any beam entering the bowl goes to that focus. Technically, it's any beam perpendicular to the axis. I don't think it's any beam goes to the focus, right? It's been a long time since I've messed around with para uh, parabolas. I just point the satellite dishes in the right spot. <laughs> 
You, just, you don't worry about it. No, I tried like, to worry. As long as it's around here. I tried to worry about that because one of our satellite, well, actually basically the satellite for syndicated programming for radios is shutting down at the end of this month and they're moving to a new one. So everybody's got to move their dishes around. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much problems. Yeah, so it's signals that are coming in parallel to the axis of symmetry will go through the, fo- the focus. So Sega's created a new brand called Sega Forever. Yeah. And uh, they're kickstarting this brand, um, and they're planning on using this to roll out emulations of titles from all its past consoles. Really? Uh, yes. The first five games, Sonic the Hedgehog... Comic Zones, Fantasy Star 2, Kid Chameleon, and Altered Beast. Altered Beast, Sonic, and Fantasy Star are are ones that I recognize and are very, very strong games. I do not recognize Comics Zone or Kid Chameleon. I don't know, but you could actually download Kid Chameleon, I think, right now from the Google Play Store. Yep, you can do that from right now if you wanted to. Sega Retro? Hmm? From Sega Retro or just in general? Uh, from Sega Retro right now, yeah. Oh, so they're they're starting the brand and they're going to try and kickstart I th- crowdfund, but they've already started? I don't know. I think the... Uh, okay, so all games will be free, ad-supported, and playable offline. Controller support will be available for those who prefer more traditional experience. Oh, okay, so they're going to be free, but they're going to have ads. But mm-hmm. if you pay $2, they'll get rid of the ads. So they're $2 or they're ad-supported. Yes. Okay. So maybe it's not a Kickstarter. Maybe this is all just Sony doing its thing. Sega. Sega. You're right. You're confusing two topics. Yeah, sorry. Sony's got the Kickstarter that I, once again, Sony kickstarting things again, really? Well, I mean, they can. It's, It's the difference between, like, we need to crowdfund this because we can't afford it, and we want to crowdfund this because we don't really know how well it's going to sell. And so this is a risk-free means of of testing the waters. Yeah, no, okay, so Sony's doing the risk-free testing of the waters again. Right. What do you mean again? What else did they do? Uh, Seamus 3? What? No, sorry, Shenmue 3. Sorry. They, uh, they, um, they announced the Kickstarter campaign for Shenmue 3 on stage at E3. Raised $6.3 million for it. Which is just a shameless grab for money. Well, they're doing one now for um, basically their own version of Lego Technics. Uh, They're calling it KOOV, K-O-O-V, a coding and robotics kit aimed at children. What does KOOV stand for? Uh, They don't say, do they? No, they don't. They're also doing this on Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter, which I find interesting. Oh my gosh. The coding program for it is built off of App Inventor. Yeah? Yeah, I'm looking at the the Kuv app, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, that's App Inventor. I've spent many hours with that coding interface. Uh, that, except App Inventor is also based off of something else. Oh. So this is the thing that App Inventor was also based off of. Okay. The idea of a, a graphic language. Well, that's, uh... Right, dragging elements onto the screen. Yep, building flowcharts for different sections of the programming. Yep. So yeah, so they they want $100,000 for it. They have a month left, and they've raised 40000 well, 39700 from 114 That's really people. Yeah, they've raised $40,000 from just over 100 people. Something doesn't seem to add up about that. Oh, because like the lowest tier of, of stuff is like $300. Yes. Okay, that makes more sense now. Estimated November of this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're estimating of November this year, they've got everything lined up. Yes. Stop using crowdfunding to get like extra cash. <laughs> You are a major multinational company. You do not need to crowdfund. Especially crowdfunding $100,000. That is pocket change for a company like Sony. Sony Global. What are they doing? Earnings announcements for fiscal year 20... That's... Oh, God, I don't want to have to read the whole earnings report. <laughs> um... Okay, fiscal year ending March 31st. They're expecting sales and operating revenue to be uh, millions of U.S. dollars, $67 million for 2017, according to... Revenue? Uh, sales gross. and operating revenue is supposed to be $67 million. Oh, that is a lot of money. Yep. Okay, speaking of lots of money, yes. Whole Foods. Whole Foods. <laughs> so... And and a company spending lots and lots of money on another company. Yeah. So we talked about this last week. Amazon is planning on buying Whole Foods. 
And everybody was like, but why? <laughs> like, that doesn't. Why are you spending $13 billion on a company like this? Yes. So people who, you know, are supposedly in the know with this um, is uh, they're going to try and keep the grocer's reputation for premium fresh foods while cutting prices to shed its whole paycheck image. So they're making Whole Foods cheaper. Yes. But not cutting out anything about it. Yes. But making it cheaper. Yes. If you're going to make it cheaper, something is there's there's some finances here, right? Like. Something has to change. Well, some or else it's not. I guess it could just be not as profitable. Uh, Amazon expects to reduce headcount and change inventory to lower prices and make Whole Foods more competitive with Walmart and other big box retailers. I'm sorry, <laughs> that what? sentence in making it more competitive with Walmart. You're going to do a lot of work to shed the image of Whole Foods being, like, extra expensive. Amazon looks to change Whole Foods inventory, introducing its own private label products to replace items deemed too expensive to have mass appeal. Isn't that the whole point of Whole Foods? Is to not have the mass appeal? It's to have the, uh... Is, no, is to have the products that, like, these are the niche little, like, I need to go buy quinoa. For this one dish, I, I'm not going to go to friggin' uh, Walmart for it. Walmart does not share, uh, does not sell organically grown shallots. I don't believe right. so. Th- that's what you go to Whole Foods for. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm still very confused. <laughs> yes, no. So this, this is supposedly what's going to happen is they're trying to increase humanize Whole Foods. Yeah. Reduce the cost, but don't reduce the quality. But also, they said that they're not actually going to lay anybody off either. Either, so it's like, okay, well, wait, how is that supposed to work? You know what? I, I'm willing to give Jeff Bezos the benefit of the doubt. And mind you, this whole deal is not expected to close until the second half of this year. So we got a while till we actually, you know, before they Amazon can actually even do anything. It's not going to be till the second half of this year. So I don't know. I don't know. That's just so weird. A lot of weird yep. things going on. There there are indeed a lot of weird things going on. Uh, especially Angela Merkel is going to open Gamescom. Really? The, the German Prime Minister? The German Prime Minister will officially open Gamescom. The, like, world's biggest gaming development show out there. Yes. The, basically... The, How did that end up in Germany? Like, I still don't, don't get that. I don't know. What's the history of Gamescom? Uh, let's see. When did it start? Started in 2009. World's largest, second largest gaming event behind the Asia Game Show. But yeah, no. Like, why I just, Germany? When, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't pitch Angela Merkel playing games. No, but I can see her supporting game studios and recognizing the importance of it to the economy. Yes. I mean, she, is, she has been a, a very economically minded person. Mm-hmm. She's going to recognize the impact that this has. Yes. Well, good for her and good for Gamescom. And, ooh, well, that's an interesting thought. I'm taking my my sabbatical to go to Australia for PAX, right? But I get another sabbatical again later. You're going to go to Germany? Maybe I'll go to Germany and go to Gamescom. That's what I'll do. Like, every sabbatical is just going to a country for a gaming convention. Well, which means at some point you're going to have to go to the Asia Game Show. Well, go to the Tokyo Game Show. Beth and Bry were also talking about doing that Jonathan Colton Cruise in 2019. That lines up actually very well with my sabbatical. Okay, so, well, yeah, but you go to okay, so you go to the Tokyo Game Show one year, and then the other next yep. time you go to the Asia Game Show because that's in Hong Kong. Totally different country. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so there you go. You can yeah China, yep. Japan, Germany. There's your next three right there. Yep. Plus the Jonathan Colton Cruise. Yep. So I've got I've got like my next two and a half sabbaticals all planned out. <laughs> there you go. So speaking of China. Supposedly, Tesla is looking to build a factory in China to build Teslas. Okay. Well, you know, the reason is that uh, it, when you import vehicles into China, they get slapped with a 25% yeah. tariff. Oof. So they're just going to build them in China. Yes. Which, you know, as they're we've like, seen that. with, the, with the, the Tesla factory here in the United States... It's like 80% automated. Granted, you know, supposedly yeah. that the people who are working there, you know, are basically getting ground to dust. But, you know, okay, so Tesla builds a factory. They can, you know, just work on getting it automated as much as possible. They don't have to do much workers. 
And then they also don't get a 25% tariff slapped against them every time they import a car. Yep. Plus, uh, I think, isn't most of the lithium coming from China now? Uh, I don't know if it's coming from or is being used in. Lithium production by country. Oh, Australia, Chile, Argentina, China. China's fourth in the world in lithium mine production. Uh, 2,000 tons out of there. Granted, Australia and Chile are just literally, the two of them are like 90% of the uh, world's lithium production. So <laughs> they could just probably be a lot cheaper just you know whatever lithium okay so they'll use up all of china's lithium and they, they can pull from australia pretty easily right yeah so there you go i knew they were on the list i didn't know they were that far down but dang that's a lot of lithium out of china and or australia and chile how do you mine lithium like what is that because isn't it like super highly reactive I have a feeling that it's a... Uh, oh, there's a five-minute video on lithium mining in Bolivia's salt flats. Okay. So you could... I know what I'll be yep. watching. Okay. Uh, it never occurs freely in nature, but only in compounds and other minerals. So could also pull it from uh, ocean water. Hmm. Okay. Moving on yes. and moving along, as they say. Um, they made some changes to Pokemon Go. Just want to put that out there. Did you I started playing it again. Did you see that the tickets for the Pokemon event in Chicago sold out within 30 minutes? Yep. Did you see what they were going for on eBay? Probably 10 to 20 times its face value. A lot of money. Well, how much are they going? Because I know this face value is 20 bucks. Yeah, they, they're going for a couple hundred. Oh, scalpers. Yeah. I mean, can you can you blame them? If the <laughs> supply and demand, man, supply and demand. If the market value is... $400, then they just, then they're at $400. There is scarcity. Uh, um, 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 yeah, we're both just kind of like, oh, and Tesla. then Tesla, the, uh, we talked about them. Yes, I know, but there's another Tesla story. Oh, uh, okay. they have released some of the data. Remember that crash that happened back in 2016 where the guy was, uh, the autopilot didn't see the semi truck that was turning. Yes. Um, well they released, uh, they haven't released the final report from the, um, NTSB, but they have released, uh, data from their 538 page report. Okay. Uh, the driver had been using the autopilot for 37 minutes, out of which he had placed his hands on the wheel for a grand total of just 25 seconds. Hmm. Weren't you supposed to be doing your hands on the wheel the whole time? Supposedly, yes. And now okay. the Tesla autopilot has a three strikes rule where if it warns you three times to put your hands on the wheel, um, after that third time, if you don't respond, it will, I think, disengage don't remember if it'll disengage or if it will actually, like, basically pull you over and stop. One of the two, but it's it's a thing now there where you have to, you know, three times and it's done. But this was before that upgrade. Um, the other the other fact was that supposedly the driver saw the semi-truck for, like, seven seconds. So, you know, if he was paying attention, he probably could have stopped in time. Yep. Well, yeah, maybe. He would have had the opportunity. Whether he could have is something yes. else, just because of human reaction time and recognition yes. time. He was also doing 74 in a 65 zone as well. That is also not good. Yeah. Should the car... Here's a question for yes. you. And this might actually just be an ethical question. Should the cars with autopilot be able to break the speed limit? I remember Google said that theirs are currently set to break the speed limit because they are matching the flow of traffic around them. Right, but that's a, a flimsy excuse for now because when most of the cars are automated, you get to determine the flow of traffic. Yes. So should they go the speed limit? I'm going to say yes. Should the speed limit change? Yes, also true. <laughs> There, there. If they are, if they're all automated, then we could raise the speed limit. Yep. Right. Computers have a faster reaction time than humans. Yes. But if we raise the speed limit, uh, the case of emergencies, the case of like something goes wrong, the human will have less time to react. Yes. Uh, additionally, speed limits are not only for the people in the car. It's for the pedestrians and everything else around the car. Right. So in populated areas, in cities. I would expect the speed limit to not go up. No, but it's it's things... But I would expect the car to actually obey the speed limit. Well, it's things like, you know, out west, Montana's at 80 because there is nothing else around the vehicle. <laughs> As we have known multiple times, there is nothing yeah. in Montana. Oh, my God. 
Nope, that's not true. There was a bear in the middle of yes, the road. Yes, all right, yes. There was a bear in the middle of the road in Montana. So yes, no, hitting the bear at 80 versus 70 would have probably just pissed off the bear even more. Uh, I mean, it was just a little brown bear. It probably would have killed the probably. bear. It also would have destroyed the car. Yes, also true, yes. Glass destroys knives, right? Like cutting on glass? I don't know, actually. I've No, I've seen glass cutting boards before. Yeah, but I think you're not supposed to use them because they actually, like, destroy your knives. Glass cutting boards. Why you shouldn't use glass cutting boards? <laughs> well, there we go. Yes, super hard glass, super hard surface will dull a knife. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Just yeah. checking. Totally, really living up to our name today. <laughs> um, so Tesla to Elon Musk to SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX on Friday launched, launched and landed their second reusable rocket. Yay, good for them. I actually got to watch this one launch. It was pretty cool. They have a really nice little setup for when you when it launches of like, here's the different timings, mm-hmm. here are the different events. So it's like ignition and liftoff and first separation and second separation. Well, if you also want to watch something today, they are doing literally a second launch uh, in approximately 116 minutes from now. That's just under three hours. Yep. Nope, just under two hours. Uh, 425 is the launch window for their second launch over the weekend, basically. That is just just think about that. Just think about that for a moment. The idea that they're launching two rockets. It's so close to each other. Yes. That does not normally happen. No. They have really changed the paradigm of, of rocket. Which we also talked about last week on the, the price differences for these things. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, yeah, no, we launched one on Friday and we're going to launch one on Sunday. It's, you know, God, they, they this is crazy because, you know, they, sooner or later they want to launch a rocket every two to three weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's going to be crazy. This rocket also is going to have new... Uh, fins for landing yeah because i guess the aluminum fins sometimes if there was too much heat would actually catch fire oops yeah so they're doing these new titanium fins for the landing so we'll see how all that works yeah i know there's two launches in one weekend that's uh that's something okay is there anything else you want to uh hit at all or no um I'm, 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 I'm looking through the list real quick mcdonald's is not getting rid of cashiers, evidently. No. Okay, so the article, first articles that came out said, oh yeah, no, McDonald's is going to replace cashiers with kiosks in 2,500 stores. Out of their 35,000. Yes, 36,000 now, actually, yeah. globally. 36. Can I, just, can I just say, McDonald's has 36,000 stores. Yes. That is a lot of stores. Mm-hmm. Granted, they don't technically own all of no, them. they're all uh, franchised. Right, because they're franchised. Yes. So it is true that, yes, McDonald's is going to roll out kiosks that will take your order and allow you to pay for stuff. And then, you know, just be like, okay, your order number 47. And so you'll just, you know, walk over and it'll be order 47. You pick it up, they'll be the thing there. And they, some people are like, oh gosh, they're going to get rid of all these cashiers. Well, McDonald's says that the, uh, they're going to move the cashiers to other parts of the restaurant. But if, if I'm a cashier, that doesn't mean I would like to also be a line cook. Well, no, no. Uh, our CEO said, this is a sporks, spokesperson for McDonald's, our CEO has said on many occasions that self-order kiosks in McDonald's restaurants are not a labor replacement. They provide an opportunity trans- to transition back-of-the-house positions to more customer service roles, such as concierge and table service, where they are able to truly engage with guests and enhance the dining experience. So they're they're waiter? Like, yeah, the cashier is going to move into confused. a waiter. I, I'm curious what the concierge is at a McDonald's. <laughs> that doesn't, I, I don't know what that means. And table service? Wait, so I'm going to get like number 48 and I'm going to have to like sit down at the table and somebody's going to bring me the food? Yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't go to McDonald's for the dining experience. I go to McDonald's because it's cheap food and it's fast. And it's salty and fatty and sugary. Yes, it's also somewhat tasty as well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, this... 
I'm I'm sorry, but I feel like the CEO is trying to put lipstick on a pig here. They're like, yeah, no, we're going to put all these kiosks in here, and then people are going to, uh, you know, we're, we're you know we're going to move the cashiers out to front of the house. Well, that's for the time being, but you know, I have a feeling in new McDonald's stores they might not have that front of house position. We'll just have the kiosks. And the back of the house stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, the yep. fries are going to be completely automated. And then the fryer person's going to be <laughs> disappearing. We'll see. We will see, sir. We will see. McDonald restaurants that have been remodeled for the chain's new digitally enhanced experiences of the future, which include the addition of kiosks, experience a 5 to 6% lift in sales in the first year after the remodel and a 2% lift in the second year. I am actually kind of excited about that because there are times where McDonald's people don't get our orders correct. Oh my god, so often. Which is funny so often. because Kate Try Kate orders a yeah. double hamburger plain, which means you just take okay. the two meat patties, you put it on a bun, and that's it. <laughs> and somehow McDonald's cooks sometimes cannot get that right. You know, we've had it with pickles on there. We've had it with ketchup on there. We've had it with cheese on there. It's just like, no, it's a, it's a meat and bun. How can you get that wrong? Because you're so used to putting other stuff yeah, on it. But, you know, if I literally can go to the kiosk and say, you know, just want meat and bun, hopefully that will cut down on the errors. Maybe, maybe. You should try doing what I have to do, which is order uh, like a double quarter pounder with extra onion, extra pickle, but no bun. That last part throws them. Yeah, no bun? What? Huh? Everything else, they're like, yep, yep, got it, got it. Like, no bun. What? So do you like, do you want the sesame bun? No, I don't want a bun. Big Mac, but not a bun. No bun. Leave the bun out. They they don't get that. So having a kiosk would be pretty interesting. I might have I like to find one of these with a kiosk and try it out and just, you know, see how it goes. Well, it looks like 2,500 or 25. They messed up the number in the yeah, article. Yeah, I see that. But no, it's supposed to be 2,500 stores with kiosks. Okay, all right. I mean, that that's still a lot of stores, yes. right? Yes, 36,000 okay. worldwide, and they've got 2,500. They're planning on putting a kiosk yes. into? So that is seven. Do you think it's going to be like their, their busiest stores? So like the ones on the uh, the highway, probably? probably. The ones, you know, the, where they have a, a, a you know, <laughs> a captive audience, basically. Yep. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Randoms. Random review. Dave, it is your week. My week. I would like to review a Chromebook. Like a Google Chromebook? I purchased, yes, like a, well, a Chromebook, but not made by Google. Oh, okay. The Lenovo Flex 11. Flex 11. Oh, so it's like uh, the can flip all the way around and turn into a tablet yes it is it is like the yogas so they have that that ability to like open all the way up backwards yeah <laughs> uh, and so you get a tablet isn't there a gif i saw online um, of somebody trying that like at a best buy store where they flip the yoga all the way around and the guy next to him picks up another one and tries it and just completely breaks the thing oh 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 god oh don't do that only only certain ones can do that um yeah so it it has a laptop form, it has a tablet form, and it has a, like, in-between form where you, it's open to be greater than 180 degrees, but you don't close it all the way so that you can, like, stand it up on itself. It's interesting. Um, so this is this was a, a cheap-ish, it's not the cheapest Chromebook, but a cheap-ish Chromebook. Um, but the key difference between this one and a lot of the other ones is that many of the other ones are Intel processors or Intel um, x86, x64-based architecture. This is a uh, ARM processor. Oh, so this has got like an actual like mobile processor into it. Right, and so we've been talking about how Chromebooks are adding support for Android yes. apps. Well, this one adds support for Android apps, and it's native support. Yeah, because it's got a mobile processor in it, so they don't have to do... Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So Google, Lenovo came out and said, like, hey, we're making this and it's going to look like this and it's really awesome because of this. And then it came out and I'm like, sweet, I've been thinking about buying a Chromebook anyway. I'll pick it up. And I picked it up and I went and I'm like, wait, where, where's the Android support? And I looked and I'm like, where's the Android support? And it's not there. I'm like, where's the Android support? Like, that's why I bought it. The, and they're like, oh, it's coming. We, we haven't actually done that part yet. <laughs> 
I'm like, well, fuck, I have a Chromebook. Okay, well, let's let's see what it's like on the merits of a Chromebook. Um, the merits of a Chromebook suck. They do. I'm sorry. The the Chrome apps that you get, right? The Chrome store. Yeah. It's what you could get on your PC. Imagine your PC, but the only application you can open is Chrome. Oh yeah, no, we actually have a Samsung Chromebook in our in one of our studios at work. Yeah. Because the studio, I don't know who built the studio, but it was dumb. Whoever yeah. built our studio was dumb. I can I can just state that flatly. Nobody will argue with me at all on that. So, you know, you've got the you got the news guy and the news guy needs his computer for all the news reporting and everything else like that. Well, you know, the host kind of now needs a computer as well cuz you got the Facebook, you got the texting, you got the Twitter, you got all the the social media stuff that the host has to deal with now as well. Well, there's not really room in the studio for two full-size setups. So we just bought a little tiny Chromebook for the host to use for, you know, basically, you know, keeping track of Twitter and Facebook and all the other stuff there, which is all web-based. Right. So, you know, Chromebook worked fine. But but everybody hates the Chromebook, like, and so nobody actually uses it. They just set it in the corner, and they bring their own laptop to use. Yeah, because it's one of the most infuriating things in the world to be like, ah, oh, I have a computer that's not a computer. Yeah, no, it's like, oh, I've got a computer. I can do no, I can't do computer things on this thing because this thing sucks. You, you can't. Like, there's nothing you can do. You are wholly dependent on the Chrome Store. Right. Like not a lot of people are making apps for Chrome. No, no, they're not. So on the merit of being a Chromebook, this thing sucked. I was I was very uh, like displeased and disappointed. I was not happy with this. But they said they were adding Android. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll eventually I get on my news feed like, hey, they've added Android support for a bunch of new Chromebooks. Here's the list. Oh, look, mine is in the list. Perfect. That's awesome. I go and I update it, and sure enough, there's an update, and I click where it said to click to find the Android App Store, and it's not there. Oh. The fuck? I double-check the list. It's like, yep, added support for these. And I looked again, and like, click here for more info. I'm like, fine, more info. And they added support in the beta stream. Like, I didn't know there was a beta stream. (laughs) How do I turn on the beta stream? So I find the instructions on how to access the beta stream which involves getting into the the options and, you know, all it is, it's flipping a switch. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm on the beta stream. I restart, it restarts, it turns on. And yes, now the option is there for Android apps and holy shit, it changes everything. Oh yeah, no, if there's, there's a bunch of Android apps that I use for work. That's why I have a Kindle Fire and my LG tablet as well. Because there's, yep. you know, there's stuff that I can do with, you know, the apps and stuff that work great. But the, the yep. screens on the my t- on my Kindle Fire is small, and, you know, the, the LG tablet's not much bigger. It's a better-looking screen, yep. which I'll talk, I can talk about that next week. That'll work. Um, <laughs> and it's like, my review is done. There we go. Hey, look at that. Sweet. Yes. Um, but, yeah, no, it'd be nice sometimes to have that bigger screen and that actual physical keyboard would be nice with some Android apps as well. Yep. It, and, and just the amount of stuff that's available, yes. right? Because no one makes apps for no. Chrome. Everyone makes apps for Android. Yes, yes, it, they, yes they do. But, man, two, $280, so, that's it's not the cheapest one out right. there? It's, it's definitely not the cheapest Android tablet, but it's a little more powerful than most because it is a, a Chromebook. And, like, my mother-in-law is awful with computers. Yes. Absolutely goddamn terrible with computers. But what does she use a computer for? She opens up her web browser, and that's about yeah. it. Sounds like a Chromebook might work for her. Plus, there's a lot less chance of getting a virus, I think, with a Chromebook than with right. a Windows laptop of some kind. Yeah. Well, we say that, but then again. <laughs> yes, who knows what it's actually. Click on a link. Yeah. Click on a link. This site would like to add this app to your Chrome store. Allow or deny? I guess I allow it because I don't know what it does. And now you've just installed a keylogger. I like the matte finish of it. I'm looking at the pictures here. The, the finish looks nice. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of feels a little plasticky oh. and cheap. Okay, never mind. <laughs> How does the keyboard feel? Because it looks... Responsive. Because okay. it looks a lot like some of the other keyboards that I have that are just... 
feels kind of almost like a touch keyboard, but it's an actual physical buttons. No, they're they're buttons. They push down. All right. It, it feels responsive. Okay. Um, I have I've yet to really test the power of it and like push it to the edge, but it plays my games pretty well. My Android games. It, it has Android apps, which is great because there's apps from the Chrome store that just suck, but there's an Android equivalent of them that's way better, like Trello. All right. Well, that's so that's that's what it is. It's it. For what it is, it's pretty pretty good. I think the, the key part is that it's a... Um, I mean, it is still a computer. And in fact, I, I've started doing a little more digging, and there are ways to just take off the Chrome OS and put on Unix. Oh, nice. And Linux. And then you actually have a computer. Well, there you go. Hmm. So $280, I'm looking at the price here? Yep. So yeah, definitely more expensive than an Android tablet, but cheaper than any other laptop you could probably get. Right, so it's a it's a pretty good middle ground. Yep. All right, there's your uh, there's your review. Indeed, indeed. So, random topic. Yes. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find where my put my freaking. There we go. <laughs> I was trying to find my sticky note on my taskbar. Random topic. Rolled ahead of time. Have you ever pissed off your significant other for something you said on an episode for RA podcast? I have pissed off Andy's significant other for something I've said on the podcast. <laughs> At least I think so. Based on based on some of the feedback I get in the emails she writes when she listens to the show, I don't know if she gets pissed off or just aggravated. I don't know. Hold on. Hey, have I ever pissed you off with something I said on the podcast? Laura, have I ever pissed you off from something I've said on the podcast? Not that I would call, but I don't listen to your podcast that often. She said probably. Oh, Laura just responded and said no. You have the audio of that. All right. Sorry, I was... So... I was, no! All right. <laughs> Woo! Probably. <laughs> it's... I say many things. You do say many things. That is not false. Mm. All right. Uh, that was a short random <laughs> that, that topic. That was. I didn't... I didn't... That was a really short random topic. We don't have any specifics, like, so we can't really go into the specifics, so it's, you know... Right. And we, we both got an answer by just going directly to the yep. source. So, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>